So one of the really interesting things that has uh, happened this week or, um, since, uh, since her procedure on Tuesday is that when I um, do something, I'm active at all and my heart begins to beep, uh, it gives me indigestion. <laughs> I start burping a bunch. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's completely unrelated. I have no idea, but it happens all the time. So as I am still getting used to uh, having a heart that works, and uh, because I, I don't want to belch in the microphone to all of you today, we are going to watch um, my friend Justin Miller. Um, and so this uh, message that he's going to bring is not quite uh, what we would have done this Sunday. Um, as we uh, kind of get to the last two weeks of our um, I Say to You series. Uh, but it's close, right? So we've been in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we'll wrap up the series next week. Um, and uh, if I'm still here, I'll do that one. Uh, but that was just a joke for my wife because she's leaving this afternoon for a week. So make her feel as guilty as possible. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> So, so we'll be back. We'll wrap up um, next week with a message uh, about love. And uh, so we'll be doing that next week. But today we're going to have Justin, and he's going to talk from Matthew chapter 5. And um, so the, the Sermon on the Mount, which is what begins in Matthew 5, verse 1, with the Beatitudes, and then it gets to the, um, you've heard it said, but I say to you, so there's six things there um, at the end of Matthew 5. That Sermon on the Mount goes for the next several chapters. And in chapter uh, 7, Jesus talks about judging. And he, he doesn't start out with the, you've heard it said, or, you know, the law said, he, he doesn't do that part, but, but he does, kind of inferred, he does just say, hey, this is how we've normally dealt with judging, and, and this is what I say to you. So, um, so it's a little different, but it's in kind of the same vein as where we've been the last few weeks and just thought it might be uh, a good idea for us to hear from Justin. Um, this. So uh, let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll join Justin at Real Life in Claremont, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you again for this day and uh, for the opportunity to come and, and worship you. And, and we have done just that. Uh, we've joined with believers for the last 2,000 years who've come together on Sunday mornings, the, the day that Jesus rose from the grave, the empty tomb was discovered. And we've come together to celebrate that empty tomb and the life that comes to us through that. So we've come this morning and we have uh, sang songs of praise to you just as the uh, Israelites did as they wandered in the desert and they sang songs as they approached the temple and the early believers sang songs when they gathered in homes together and we've done that um, today and we've been brought into the to the throne room of of the Father and we have prayed together we have taken communion together, and we're going to hear from your word now. We're going to listen to a teaching from your scripture. And so, um, Father, we just we thank you for your word. We thank you for faithful um, teachers and preachers of it. Thank you for this time that we've had together already. 
look forward to what you're going to speak to us and into our hearts in the next few minutes. And so I uh, just thank you for this message from Justin, for his um, faithfulness uh, out in Claremont, Florida, and uh, through technology that we get to be a part of that as well. And so um, God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear today. In Jesus' name. We're studying the things that Jesus said that make you go like, say what? Because if you know Jesus, if you've read the Bible a little bit, then you know that he had this way of just telling it like it is and then kind of dropping the mic and walking away. Jesus was the king at that. And in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, we see him doing that again. He doesn't mince words. He tells it like it is. And uh, what he says is, this is towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. You know this one too. You've heard it. But what he says in verse 1 is, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. You've heard this one. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus goes on. He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I can imagine him role-playing that a little bit, maybe whacking Peter in the head with his arm, little chuckle from the crowd. I think Jesus was funny. Maybe the movies you've watched, he isn't, right? The movies you've watched, he's blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and really boring and speaks in the King James. I just imagine him differently, all right? Uh, how can you say to your brother, look, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, you've heard this one before, right? Do not judge. Like, this is possibly one of the most famous passages in the Bible. It's one of the most widely quoted passages in the Bible. And we love this one when it's used for us. We claim this one all the time, don't we? This is, you probably claim this scripture already. Don't judge me. You don't know me. You can't judge me. You don't know where I've been. You have, and so we love to use this scripture when it's used for us. Here's what I found. Nobody likes to be judged. True? We hate being judged. But, but while nobody likes to be judged, everybody loves to be the judge. I see this in our culture all the time. I mean, we don't want to be judged, but we are quick to pick up the gavel when there's anything going on in our world. We weigh in on every issue. We speak our minds on every topic. We give our opinion. We let people know how we feel. We sometimes put people in their place. Nobody wants to be judged. Everybody loves to be the judge, and we're quick to do it. And what Jesus says is, that's hypocrisy. Th that doesn't work. Like, he calls us out. He uses that. That's a dirty little word, isn't it? Somebody calls you a hypocrite? You don't like that. Jesus says, you hypocrites, you've got this double standard. You guys walk around, you have one standard for yourself and another for everybody else. And isn't that kind of true? If you think about it, don't you, like when you do the same thing somebody else does, don't you give yourself grace? Like, well, I did that, but you know, but I, did, I meant well, and you don't understand what's going on in my life, and you know your backstory when somebody else does it, what is wrong with you? You are a messed up, dirty sinner. And you, you know where we really see this? Driving, on the road. I, we are all vehicular hypocrites. I know this for sure. I'll just claim it, man, because like when I am merging in a lane on I-4, you know, they've been doing construction on I-4 since before I was born. I literally think that when Jesus returns, the first thing he's gonna do is fix I-4, then rapture us. It's ridiculous, right? Come Lord Jesus. So 
But when you know your lane's ending because they have five, but they only ever have two open, and you're merging, and, and they show you the signs, and they have the trucks with the arrows flashing for like seven miles, but you're like, and then, then the cones start, you know? After the signs, then the cones, and you're like, you know, I could get over now like a sucker, or I could keep going until I run out of cone. And then you make it all the way to the end, you flip that signal on, and you try to get over, and you're like, come on, somebody be a Christian, right? Somebody let a brother over. And you give him the sweet face, like, prayer hands, prayer hands, that's what I always do. I'm like, and it's like, just in case they're a believer and they see prayer hands, that's an emoji, y'all. I mean, that, that works. And you're like, please let me over. And, and you're like, oh, thank you so much. But, but hold on, you know, when somebody tries that junk on me, Oh, heck no. <laughs> Don't you dare. Not on my watch, baby. You should have lined up like the rest of us. You ain't getting in here bumper to bumper. Sucker. <laughs> you give them the stare down too, don't you, when they're trying to get, I mean, if you're raw. Some of you are weak and you look away. You're doing the raw, but I think you got to look them right in the eyes. It's just like, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> think about what you did. You know, you want to bring the conviction upon them because we're hypocrites. And we want, we want, here's what I want. I want grace for me, but I want justice for you. I want me to get off the hook and you to get what you deserve. And Jesus calls us out and he says, that's not okay. That, that hypocrisy and that double standard doesn't work with God. He's not okay with it. And Jesus says something so radical here. What he says is, you get to choose how you'll be judged. This is crazy if you think about it. Jesus says, hey, it's up to you. You pick, but you'll decide how you'll be judged. And, and it, you choose one standard. There's not one for you and for everybody else. You're going to pick the standard. But do you want to be judged harshly or do you want grace? Do you want to be given the benefit of the doubt or do you want to be held accountable for every little thing? You choose how you'll be judged. I don't know about you. When I hear that, I'm thinking, wait a minute. If I have a choice, right? If, if I get to choose how God is going to look at me and how I'm going to be favored, then I choose grace. I mean, I need it. I'm thinking about my life. I'm going, okay, when I stand before God, as God looks at my life, if I get to choose how he sees me, if I get to choose how I'll be judged, if I get to choose how he's going to measure me, well, then I choose grace because I need grace. I, I want grace. I, I want to be measured with the grace stick because there's no way I'm standing before a holy God and passing the test on my own. I need grace. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. So what Jesus says is because you need grace, you need to show grace. You show grace because you need grace because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. How are you looking at other people? What do you see in other people? Is it the same thing you see in yourself? I got a pretty good test on this uh, recently. Robin and I were actually in California for a pastor's conference. And uh, while we were there, we were invited to a movie premiere in Hollywood. And it happened to be the night that the pastors and wives were having dinner together. And so, you know, I had to pray about, do I want to go to dinner with a bunch of pastors and their wives, or do I want to go to a Hollywood movie premiere? And I prayed about it. And the Lord convicted me all that, like, you know what, the pastors and their wives, they're all saved. <laughs> but there's a chance that someone in Hollywood isn't, okay? There's a chance. And so I got to leave the 99. I didn't want to, but I had to. So anyway... <laughs> I'd never been. It was so cool. And it was actually for a Christian movie. It was Tim Tebow's new movie, Run the Race. Just premiered this weekend nationally. I don't know if you got to see it yet. But uh, we were there. This was cool. We were there with Brian Welch from Corn. And so 
this was a magic moment for me because I, I know Brian and I know Tebow. He was at the church a couple years ago. I got to introduce the two of them. Here's a picture. Okay, could we get two Christians from opposite ends of the spectrum? It's so cool. I love our people, man. That's our people. We crazy. So brought them together. So we watched the movie. Then we go to the after party. All right. And so I'm in downtown Hollywood partying with Christians. How often does that happen? And here's my thing. When I'm partying with Christians, I'm like, basically, I could take the night off. Okay, because, you know, I know a lot of people are lost, but when you're partying with Christians, listen, when you're partying with Tebow, even God takes the night off. He's like, you know what, let's go somewhere else. Tebow's got that covered. That dude is righteous. Okay, so, so we go, and, and I'm just like, I, I don't know that I really have anything to do here, but I had this sense that God's always leading me to somebody, and sure enough, it happened, and this lady walks up, starts talking to me, and we get into a conversation, and I can tell that, okay, this is different. Um, this was crazy though. She actually asked me, how old do you think I am? Remember, I just preached about this. And you guys, I got to confess, I played it way too close. I guess 29, she was 31. <sighs> Barely made it, but I kind of nailed it, okay? Because 29, if I would have said 30, but I said 29. She's like, oh, that's nice. That You're pretty close. And I didn't ask her if she was pregnant. So winning, there you go. You just got to remember your own sermons. That's my rule. It's good because Robin preaches them to me later after I say them. But um, so we're talking about the movie, and I asked her, I was like, are you in the film industry? Because pretty much everybody at this party was obviously part of making this movie, or they were in the industry, you know, actors and producers and things. And so she said, well, yeah, sort of. And I said, oh, so what do you do? She said, well, I'm a model. I was like, okay. And she said, well, I'm also an actress. I said, okay, so you're a model and an actress. She said, well, I'm actually an adult actress. And I was like, well, you just said you were 31, so obviously you're an adult. <laughs> oh! Oh! An adult actress, okay? Like, my church lady fired up and started freaking out. And her church lady was like, oh, well, in this special, okay? We're at a Tebow movie, but we're not exactly making Tebow films at home, are we? Like, ah! You know, like when the alarm goes off inside and you're like, but you, wait, uh-huh? And, and I'm thinking, okay, but I played it cool, y'all. I know how to, inside, panic, you know, Bible verses, outside, treat a person right, and I'm just playing it cool. And she said, so yeah, basically I'm a normal person, but my day job's kind of weird. And I'm like, I can relate to that. I feel you. She says, why, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. She said, no way, that's weird. She thought my job was weirder than her job. Anyway, so here we are. The pastor and the porn star, that's the start of something right there. You already know. Either headline news or a sermon illustration. So we're, we're talking, and Robin comes over. Of course Robin comes over. Okay, you, you saw that coming. Thank you, Jesus. So Robin comes over. I introduce them, and I'm thinking, this is just crazy. You know, because what are the chances this lady is at this event? And now what are the chances of all the people here that she meets the one pastor's wife that's there that wasn't supposed to be there, that ditched something to go there, that got a last minute invite? And so they start talking and I could see they're kind of connecting. My wife has this like ridiculous one-on-one -on -one game. I don't know that she can play team ball as well as me, but she plays one-on-one -on -one really good, street style. Like she goes for it, break your ankles. So she's got her one-on-one -on -one right now. And I go and I, I introduce some other people. Actually, Andy Minio was there because he did some soundtrack stuff. Introduced him to Tebow. We're having fun. I come back like 25, 30 minutes later. Robin is in the corner sitting down with this lady, just finishing praying over her. 
just shared the gospel with her, shared her testimony with her. And this girl's like wiping the tears away and she's got those kind of lashes, those lashes that like they don't want to be cried on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they swim away. And she had told me that earlier because I said, did you cry at the movie? She said, no, I didn't cry at the movie. Look at these lashes. You don't cry with these. And I'm like, okay. So I came over, I said, hey, how'd it, how'd it go? And she said, this beep made me cry. And she's, she, I said, is that a bad thing? She said, no, it's a good thing. She's amazing. She goes, how did you get her? You are not cool enough for her. <laughs> well, I, I know. I had game in the 90s, girl. That's all you need to know. I had it when I needed it. But <laughs> So Robin gets her number. They're friends now. They're texting all the time. We're praying for her, and we're already seeing God move. Change is happening in our life, and I'm super excited because um, we're going to be flying her out soon to come to church with us. Can't wait for her to meet you guys. So pretty soon, right? Like, she's going to love this family. And, like, the whole thing's just so cool to me. And here, here's the thing that hit me, though. I was like, he loves us. God really is crazy about us. He's not willing that any should perish but that everybody comes to repentance. Every single last one of us. And, and somehow he masterminded, he orchestrated this whole thing where this one lady that he's crazy about that's still living in darkness finds the one lady that he knows will meet her right where she's at and will not judge her but lead her all the way home. And of all the pastor's wives she could have met, I'm just telling you, she met the right one. God knew what he was doing because my wife not only knows Jesus, she knows her story. She knows where she came from and what God saved her from, and she's not, a, she's not afraid to share that. But it also, it keeps her in a place of grace. And I watch my wife uh, not judging, but accepting and embracing people who are still a long way off. And I find it incredibly sexy. <laughs> I told her, I was like, girl, when I see Christ in you, whoo. <laughs> She likes it when I preach. I like it when she prays over people. So there you go. Why do you think I do this for a living? But listen, this, this is how we need to be. That's the kind of people that we need to be. Jesus tells us, do not judge. Think about this. We, we can't judge a person's story by the chapter we walk in on. I mean, if people would have walked into my story at a certain chapter, they would have thought there's no hope. Uh, if my mom hadn't been praying, you know, if God hadn't still been reaching. But I'm just saying you can't judge a person's story by the chapter you walk in on. Because no matter where they are in that story, God's not finished yet. He's still working. You have no idea where this story's going and what part you could play in it. All you need to know is God's crazy about them and they're worth Jesus dying for. And they don't need to be judged. They need to be loved. We're not called to be judges. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say, hey, I want you guys to go and judge. I want you to put on robes and pick up gavels and you just judge the heck out of this world. You know what he says is we're called to be witnesses. I love the, the courtroom analogy, but we're not judges, we're witnesses. He says, what I need you to do is not be judges ruling over people, but be witnesses reaching out to people, sharing with them what I've done in your life, who I am and how I am, letting them know that I'm crazy about you. Probably one of my favorite places Jesus makes this clear is in the parable of the lost son. You remember this parable, the story of the prodigal son? It's, it's really his most famous story. Charles Dickens said it was the best short story ever written. So the, the parable of the lost son, the kid disrespects his father at such a high level. 
that he comes to his dad and demands his inheritance early. Basically says, I wish you were dead. And, and he takes the money and he runs. And Jesus says he squanders it on prostitutes and wild living. He goes to Hollywood or maybe Vegas, blows it all. He's homeless, he's hurting, he's burned dad's money, he's ruined his family name, has nothing left. He's actually got a job feeding pigs and he's so hungry that he wants to eat what they're eating. But he kind of comes to his senses. He has a flashback and he remembers, you know, my dad has servants. And I wonder if I just made my way home, I'm desperate if I could be one of the servants, if I could just work in the fields for dad, because I know the servants, he feeds them. At least I'd have something to eat. And then Jesus turns this story on us. It's not what you'd expect. Because I'd kind of expect that if this kid made it all the way home, that Man, you know what? He's probably done too much. He's too far gone. There's too much lost here. And, and the dad's not going to let him back. We've all had dads, right? What does dad do in that situation? This kid, he, he's probably going to have to work this thing off, maybe pay him back. If he does, let him back in. He's got a long road to repairing things. But Jesus says this father does something so unexpected. Luke chapter 15 is the story. And in verse 20, so he got up and he went to his father. This is his last ditch effort. He's, he's without hope. He's ruined his life and everything he ever had. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Guys, that's God. The father in that story is our father in heaven. And that's how he feels about us. Jesus says he sees us while we're still a long way off and he runs to us. He rushes to our side. He embraces us. He kisses us and he welcomes us home while we're still smelling like sin, stained up, messed up, jacked up. You know, uh, Romans 5, 8, it says it this way, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get it all fixed or to figure it all out, but he met us and he meets us right where we are. He sees us while we're still a long way off and he runs to us. And, and so here's the thing, if that's God's heart, that's gotta be my heart, right? If that's the heart of the father, that's gotta be the heart of his son. If, if that's the way God treats me, that's the way I gotta treat you and everyone that I meet. It's not my job to judge you, it's my job to love you to run to you, to welcome you in to God's house. I mean, the, the father's kids, that's us, in the father's house have to have the father's heart. We've got to show his love to other people. And so, listen, real life, we've got to be the kind of church that sees people while they're still a long way off and we're willing to run to them. We've got to be the kind of Christians that show the love of the father to people who are still far away. And meeting them right where they are, not judging them, but loving them all the way home. And, and the truth is, I'm telling you this because a lot of Christians miss this. A lot of churches miss this. A lot of church people, instead of having the heart of the father, we actually have the heart of the older brother. You know, there's 
two sons in this story. It's a very interesting story because you almost felt like that was the ending and, you know, boom, happy ending. It's a wonderful thing. But the parable starts, a man had two sons. We just heard the story of the one son. But tragically, there's another brother who's also lost. And I feel like he represents so many church people that I've met over the years. And, and here's what it says about this young man. Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of his servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Are you serious? My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Not all God's kids have God's heart. And it's a sad reality but listen, don't be the older brother, okay? Like, we can't afford it. Don't be, look at somebody and tell them, don't be the older brother. Look at, do it. No, I'm serious. Look at, look at somebody who looks like they could be the older brother. No, I'm kidding. Just don't be the older brother. We can't, because here's what he did. I want to tell you what this guy did. He took his father's grace for granted. Possibly the worst thing we could do, but this kid, he took his grace for granted. He thought he had earned it. He thought he deserved it. Everything his father had given him, he believed was somehow his right. He had earned his place at the table, but his brother didn't deserve it. And he was right. His brother clearly did not deserve any of the favor he had been given. But what he missed was neither did he. He didn't deserve it either. That everything he had been given was grace. It was a gift. He didn't deserve it. And it wasn't because he worked for it. It was because his father loved him that he had given him everything. And, and this is the point, guys, that we can't afford to miss this, all right? Understand, we're the church, yes, but that doesn't mean we're the perfect people's club. Actually, we're the church, it means we're the recovering sinners club. Hello, my name is Justin, and I'm a recovering sinner. That's who we are, okay? And we just don't have time for everybody to stand up and let us know your name and what you're recovering from, but that's the truth, and we're saved by grace. The only reason any of us are here the only reason any of us have even the slightest shot at salvation isn't because of what we've done, but what he's done for us. It's not because we're good. It's because God is good. Guys, that's the punchline of our faith. That's the moral of the story. The way Paul says it, I love this. He says, you want to hear something true? Everybody's like, I just love truth. I want the truth. And Paul says, I'll tell you the truth. First Timothy chapter 1. This is in the New Living, similar to the NIV. He says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Here's the truth. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He says, and I'm the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. He said, then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I think it's pretty cool that the guy God used to write most of the New Testament didn't see himself as anything special. He saw himself as a sinner saved by grace. 
where a lot of church people want to wag their finger at the world and say, you're a dirty sinner and you better repent and you better, the only way, you got to get saved. And the apostle Paul said, raised his hand and he said, I'm a dirty sinner and I was saved by grace. And the only reason that God even saved a wretch like me was so that he could prove to you that nobody's too far gone, that you're never too far away from his grace and his love. And, and when we get that, guys, when we have that attitude, there's no limit to how God can use us to reach the people he's crazy about. Whether you're the pastor or a porn star or the apostle Paul, guess what? You need Jesus. You need grace. Without him, you're nothing and you're lost and you're going nowhere. It's all about his grace. And so what he says in Matthew 7 is, guys, do not judge. Because if you judge, you could keep the people God's crazy about from the grace Jesus died to give them. Don't judge people. If you, if you have that critical spirit and you need to use it on somebody, use it on yourself. If you have that judgmental attitude and maybe you were just wired that way, maybe you, if you've got to use it on somebody, use it on yourself. And instead of seeing specks in other people's eye, why don't you work on sawing that plank out of your own? And you know, here's the deal. I think this is true. Our problem is we're more worried about God fixing other people than God fixing us. And sometimes our focus is on other people's problems, not our own problem. Here's what I found. Self-examination cancels condemnation. Think about that for a second. Self-examination cancels condemnation. The reason I don't judge you is because I know me. I need grace, so I show grace. And I'm too busy taking the plank out of my own eye to worry about your little speck. And, and so what I found is that self-examination cancels condemnation and self-awareness leads to fairness. Not two standards, but one standard. When I'm self-aware and I understand who I really am and how I really am, guess what? Then I have grace for how you are. Because some of you, it takes grace to love you. I'm trying not to look at anybody in particular. I'm just saying. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome, Barbara. So it takes grace to love you. It takes grace to love me. And so when self-awareness leads to fairness, when I realize who and how I am, then I can have grace for how you are. See, here, here's the deal. Grace helps me see I'm the same as you. Pride wants me to believe I'm better than you. And I look down on you and, well, I'm this way. And if people were just more like me, and if you did this and you did, pride wants me to see myself as better than you. Grace allows me to see me as the same as you. And listen, pride is a killer. God says that he opposes the proud. You want to get into a fight you can't win, then you just bow up and you have the pride. God says, I'll oppose that all the way till I come back. But he gives grace to the humble. Pride says, I'm better than you. Grace says, I'm the same as you. And so what Jesus is telling us is put down the magnifying glass and pick up the mirror. You know what the mirror is? James tells us it's the word of God. We, we put down the magnifying glass looking for the faults of everybody else and we pick up the mirror and we start reading and we realize Oh, I got some work to do. You ever, you, you ever having a good day and then you pick up the Bible? Let's get real. You know, you ever just think, man, I'm doing super good. And then you read the New Testament for a minute and you go, man, I just feel, I'm just, I am just a super Christian, you know, and forgive your brother from your heart. it! Can't even get three verses without conviction, you know. Do not hate. Uh, if you know you have a problem with someone, go to that person. Uh, watch your mouth. Let no unwholesome speech. Man, I can't read this thing for two seconds. You ever think you're doing good and then you read God's word? It's the mirror. It shows us who we really are, how we really are, and how much we really need 
his grace. And if we, if we carry the mirror instead of the magnifying glass, it reminds us of our need for him. How you doing with all this? You know, like if you, if you just step back and you, you think about it for a second, say to yourself, all right, do I judge? You know, how, how well am I doing with this? Looking down on other people, is there anyone that you can, you see their faults so clearly that it just burns you up sometimes? I know who it is, it's your spouse. Let's just start there, right? Because if you're married and you're in that house 24-7 and you know that it, how can you not put the toilet seat down? It's not that hard. <laughs> Took 17 years for Robin to train this little monkey, but I got it. I'll sometimes wake up in the middle of the night, <gasps> I think it's up, I'll run in there, put it down. Because I love my wife, all right? Don't leave me, baby. I'm putting it down. I'm putting it down right now. Why are you waking me up? I just want to get credit for putting it down. But man, you live with somebody and you see the little things, and the little things add up over time, and, and you, you got that magnifying glass instead of that mirror. Maybe it's your parents. Kids, it's hard, man. You grow up and your parents are supposed to be perfect, and turns out they're not. And then you, you harbor unforgiveness in your heart because they said this or they did that or you see something that doesn't seem like what they preach and they do and man you got to let some of that go and just check your own heart instead of holding your parents to a standard they could never live up to maybe it's your kids you got to give them some grace sometimes when I'm thinking about my kids toeing the line God just reminds me where were you when you were their age I'm like that's not fair that's not fair don't do that but you know maybe it's your siblings that's a real thing. I got four kids, and sometimes I think, you know, I want all of you in heaven, but I'm pretty sure if he goes, you don't want to be there. So you got to work that stuff out, that sibling rivalry and frustration, and, and you got to give them grace, and their little things add up. But instead of focusing on what they need to fix, man, focus on what you can do better. But listen, it's your choice. Remember, if God is going to judge you like you're judging them, don't you think you need to show some grace? Because you're going to need that grace. Let it go. Work on yourself. Uh, maybe, this is real, maybe it's whole groups of people that you're judging and looking down on. Maybe because of how you're raised or where you're from or whatever else. You look down on other races and you, you think, oh, those kind of people, they're all that. They all do this thing. Maybe other classes of people economically. Maybe people who vote differently than you. Oh, no, he didn't. Yeah, I did. Our country is messed up right now, and all I ever hear is people talking so much hate about people who are registered with the other political party. Do you not see that that is a tool from Satan, just dividing people? Listen, God loves you regardless of who you voted for, okay? I just want to make that clear. God loves you if you didn't vote at all. God loves you if you never vote again. God loves you if you lost your right to vote because of imprisonment or something else. I'm just saying... We gotta stop dividing, looking, judging people because of their skin color, their social status, or their political preference. What we need to see is someone God's crazy about and Jesus thought was worth dying for. That's the truth. Some of you have been hurt by the judgment of other people. And you wouldn't say that you're judgmental, but you've been affected by judgmental people, maybe even by Christians or people in the church. I just wanna say I'm sorry. I know some of you are carrying that hurt and it took an act of God for you to even make it to church because you're so hurt by the church. Or maybe you're just watching online because you could never even imagine yourself coming back into the doors because of how God's people are. I, I am so sorry that that happened to you. I, I honestly can tell you I've, I've felt that pain. I've never been hurt more 
in my life than by people inside the church. There have been times in my ministry that I absolutely wanted to quit because of all the comments, the criticisms, the complaints, the judgment of other Christians. Here's what you have to do. If you've been hurt by the church, what you have to do is keep moving forward and forgive those people. Don't let something someone did to you keep you from all God has for you. Don't throw that baby out with the bathwater. You just forgive and keep moving forward and say, you know what, God? I, and, and listen, some of you need to give God a second chance because he didn't fail you, we did. And please don't give up on God for the things his people do because we mess up a lot. You know, for all of us, I think this whole thing comes down to focusing on my own plank, staying in my own lane. And every one of us has things that need work, that need fixed, that need help. And he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it through to completion. He's working right now. We're all under construction. And what we need to do is invite God into our lives to finish that work, to pray along with King David in Psalm 139. This should be our prayer. You guys, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And if I'm praying that prayer, and I'm picking up the mirror and putting down the magnifying glass. There's so much that God can show me about what needs to change in me and how his grace is being made known in my life. And I show grace because I need grace. Let me pray that for us now. God, thank you. And, and we invite you, Lord, to search us and to know our hearts, to test us. God, we, we put down the magnifying glass. We pick up the mirror. And I, I thank you, Lord. I, my plank keeps me from looking at specks. <laughs> Lord, thank you. I thank you that in some ways, like, I, there's some things in my life I wish, I wish at this point I should be perfect, but your grace is enough, and I still slip, and I still fall. At this point, you've invested so much in me, I should be there, but I'm not. I thank you that that good work that you started in me, you're, you're just carrying it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We're going to be working and training. And so, Lord, all of us, as we freely receive your grace, help us to freely give your grace to the people around us. And I pray that as the church, that we would never keep the people you're crazy about from the grace that Jesus died to show them and to give them. We love you, Lord, and we just, we repent of that spirit of the older brother. Forgive us, Lord, and, and get it out of this church. If there's any one of us who carry it in with us, Lord, help us to put away our preferences and, and our desires and our opinions. And Lord, just lift up Jesus. Because if he's lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. And we're studying the things oh. that Jesus said that make you go Sorry, like, Julie. say what? Because <laughs> if you know Jesus, if you've read yeah, the Bible a little bit, then you know that he had this. There we go. <laughs> Add it on loop, I guess. You could have sat through that again. Uh, once again, you know why I like um, Justin. And, and here's one of the cool things when, um, you know, things are a little off in plan, you, you know, just didn't go necessarily according to plan. Um, Trista texted me uh, during this and said, uh, isn't it cool how uh, what Tristan had to say, what Sarah had to say, and what Justin had to say all kind of kind of fit together. Did you catch that? Uh, so that's how, that's how God works. That's, that's awesome. Hey, um, we are wrapping up, uh,
the series next Sunday, so part six, uh, the end of Matthew chapter five. Uh, so we'll be doing that. Also next Sunday is Father's Day. And uh, so I hope you bring your dads back. We'll be giving a gift card away to, um, uh, I don't know, I think like Menards or something like that. So uh, we'll be uh, having that next Sunday. And don't forget, uh, right outside is the rummage sale for BHI. And um, I think they, they might already uh, or soon have uh, hot dogs ready. So we've got hot dogs and chips and water out there, uh, just donation. Um, and so all the stuff out there is uh, just for donation. So if you want to um, grab lunch before you leave and look around, that is it's awesome. And if you didn't, didn't bring cash or anything with you, stop and get something to eat anyway. Uh, okay. All right. Good. Um, good to see you. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, I love you and I love being with you uh, on Sunday mornings. And so I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Real Life Live. Our hope and prayer is that the time you've spent with us has left you encouraged and challenged in your faith. It may have also left you with some questions or maybe wondering how all this faith stuff works. So we want to help you with that. Head over to reallifecc.us for a few different ways we can connect. We're thankful you joined us today and want to extend an invitation for you to join us in person at our current home in El Dorado, Kansas at the Civic Center, 201 East Central on Sundays at 10 a.m. We hope You'll keep tuning in and growing in your faith to look more like Jesus every day. See you next time.